the Brussels Report podcast. Welcome to the uh, new episode of the Brussels Report podcast. Uh, my name is uh, Peter Kleppe. Uh, I'm the editor-in-chief of Brussels Report, and I'm delighted uh, to have as my guest today uh, Zoltan Kesh. Uh, he is a former member of parliament uh, from Hungary, um, and at the moment he's the uh, director of operations of the Civitas Institute, as well as the, the honorary president of the Free Market Foundation um, in Hungary. So he's a real fighter for liberty in uh, in Hungary. And I'm really delighted to, to have uh, him with, with me here in this podcast, because, of course, uh, Hungary is on the forefront of, um, let's say, the, um, the, uh, the debate within the European Union, on, on the rule of law and, um, and, and sort of how to deal with, with um, member states that are perceived to be, let's say, backsliding in terms of the rule of law. And uh, perhaps in the case of Hungary, you could also say backsliding in terms of uh, economic uh, reform, um, the country that, that did a lot of good after um, communism collapsed. Uh, so, um, Sultan, uh, welcome. Well, thank you, Peter, and uh, I'm really honored to be here on your show. Great to have you. Uh, so maybe first, uh, to, to continue a little bit the introduction, um, maybe you should explain how um, uh, you became an MP and, and how you basically grabbed the, the supermajority of uh, Viktor Orban, if I'm not mistaken. Well, that was six years ago, unfortunately, a long time ago, and that was a by-election for one seat in my constituency. And I decided to run as an independent and I was supported by six parties and I managed to defeat the uh, pro-government or the governing party's candidate, uh, which at the time meant that they didn't have a two-thirds majority anymore for three years only, because after that in uh, 2018, they uh, won again with a, a two-thirds majority. And we are looking at next year's election. Uh, one, one of the things that is in focus, whether they will have another two-thirds majority next year or not. Okay, interesting. Well, still quite a great accomplishment because, um, I mean, in politics, it's hard to make a difference as a, just a member of parliament. So, so you were even, let's say, yeah, as you say, an, an independent. So I think that's quite, uh, quite impressive and, and really shows how, um, you know, how, how well-grounded you are in, in, in Hungarian politics. So, I mean, t- tell us a little bit about, uh, the let's say, the rule of law situation. Let's start... With that, is it really as bad as some media outside of Hungary depict, or is it much worse? Um, or, or um, yeah, what's your view well, on that? Uh, when we come to the rule of law, I think we could go on for hours talking about uh, not necessarily the rule of law, but the lack of it. And there are certain issues in Hungary that are, in my opinion, uh, under threat in a way for, uh, as far as uh, the present government is uh, handling the situations. For example, we can mention the freedom of the press. I think uh, in the European Union, we see a huge media concentration in the hands of one uh, party or one government, and that is in Hungary. Uh, I don't see any other examples in, in, in the European Union. Mm-hmm. However, now Poland is coming up, unfortunately. Uh, in Hungary, what we see now is that the majority of the country only has access to uh, media that is controlled by the government. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, it's true, especially for the countryside. And, uh, and when we come to the electorate itself, we see that the countryside is basically the voter base 
of, of Fidesz, of the governing party. And we see that the countryside only gets the information from uh, the national television, from national radio, from uh, government-friendly uh, oligarchs that are uh, owning the uh, county newspapers. So, so the propaganda uh, reaches the countryside pretty badly or, or, or well, if you look at it from the governing, government's uh, point of view. So I think that's, that's a very... Uh, I mean, that's a situation that's worth looking at uh, when we come to uh, the rule of law. Another important issue regarding the rule of law is the, 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 the judiciary. Sorry. Um, Hungary, uh, in, in Hungary, we see the court, uh, the Supreme Court, which has been packed, uh, or, or actually the Constitutional Court, which has been packed by Profides uh, uh, judges also now. Uh, the higher courts have been packed with uh, pro-government uh, friends, uh, let's say. So we see a, a, a huge discrepancy between uh, real rule of law and what is practiced uh, in, 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 in the courts. Um, so that, so that's, that's, that's another issue. Checks and balances. There is no checks and balances in Hungary. I mean, we see uh, that uh, this is basically I mean, the last... 12 years, 11 years have been uh, like a, a low machinery uh, that was practiced by Fides. So anything that comes out of their mind becomes a law. There is no check, no balance. Uh, when I was in parliament for three years, I, I would say that, yes, they, they, had, they had no two-thirds majority, but basically they could pass whatever law they wanted and they never, ever uh, listened to the opposition. I mean, uh, it was like... A, like a fight, uh, like in um, Don Quixote, if you know what I mean. Yes. Uh, so, so there are lots of problems uh, with, with, with the rule of law. I just mentioned these, but we can go on talking about like education, how uh, the government forced the Central European University out of Budapest or violated the freedom of academic institutions. So, so, so the, the list is basically endless, I should say. Well, actually, let's. Um, I have let's say three points. First of all, um, I want to have your opinion on this, uh, you know, uh, visit of uh, Viktor Orban. It looked like a little propaganda video where where he uh, he visited the newspaper stand and and uh, asked the uh, the newspaper guy, "Hey, can you show me all these uh, uh, newspapers here?" And and uh, and and and, um, and then actually. Uh, like, can you can you confirm that in these these newspapers are, are actually very critical of me? So so he's trying to use that to to counter your argument. But are, are these um, are, are these perhaps then national newspapers or newspapers that are not read by the let's say the countryside or? or um... mm -hmm. I think I think what Victor Orban did was a good stunt, uh, but it 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 it. He had no reality. I mean, sure. he did that in Buda. He did that in Budapest. I mean, yes, in the Budapest there is a huge diversity of what people can read. Mm -hmm. Go to go to a village where you don't even have a newsstand. Interesting. Uh, go to, go to a village where the uh, government has just decided that the post uh, service, the national post service, will not distribute uh, daily newspapers. Mm. So so this this was a stunt, but nothing more. Okay. Propaganda. And then um, to, to maybe um, perhaps there's some, some, some optimism possible because, as I understand it, the, the mayor of, um, of Budapest, I think he's with the opposition, correct? 
yeah, and, and, isn't, is and, and isn't at the moment, don't you have like a very, let's say, wild coalition, correct me if I'm wrong, with even Jobbik, the, the far right yeah. uh, included against Well, first Orban? of all, I, would, I, I, I wouldn't say that Jobbik is the far right anymore. Oh, I would say sure. Fidesz is yeah. the far right. Fair enough. Fidesz is definitely the far right. I mean, mm. what we've seen in the past years, Jobbik has come to the center right rather and got got rid of the elements who were in, uh, 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 like far right people mm. however fides has shifted way to the far right mm. so when and when we talk about this coalition between all the parties that are in opposition yes i think it, this is this is a, a coalition that needed to be done in order to defeat fides next next year uh, because how the election law is set up and how the gerrymandering actually set up the constituencies requires that there should be only one candidate against the Fidesz candidate. If there are six candidates against the Fidesz candidate, there is no chance. That this, this, we all, I, I already said that in 2018 mm -hmm. uh, with, with a couple of people, but the parties, parties did not grow up to the task. Uh, the people already knew the answers, but the parties didn't. Now the parties all, all, all know the the answer but uh, and and they are trying to cooperate with each other so um, i think this is a very important improvement once we look at the political landscape of hungary because never before had we seen uh, a, 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 a very close cooperation between Jobbik and the leftist parties mm -hmm. so i think this is a historic moment in a way and i know that fides will will use the far right card against you, especially internationally. Mm -hmm. But I, I really want to warn that it is the far right that is claiming another party being the far right. So it's a, it's it's basically the the, the 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 old Bolshevik tactic that Fidesz is using, blaming your opponents of what you are or what you do. Okay, um, and perhaps um, the if we go to the topic of the let's say the Chinese university, so uh, China was going to invest even I think it was one billion. It was like a, an enormous amount into uh, a university um, in Budapest, right? Um, exactly. Just when the the Central European University was sort of bullied out of Hungary, if I'm not mm -hmm. wrong, uh, I guess you would um, you would agree with that. Uh, sentiment and and what i've understood from it it looked like bullying um so so i mean isn't that a victory isn't that sort of like a sign of of hope um well basically we see now that uh there are two uh, as, sorry i should explain yeah, as um, as as i understand this project is, has failed that the the chinese university will not not be uh, uh be be residing there right well, not necessarily. I mean, I'm. We're not sure yet. Okay. So, okay. Um, there was a demonstration. Sure. Uh, we know already that the majority of the Hungarian population is very much against the Fudan University campus in Budapest. Mm -hmm. uh, mainly, not only because of what you mentioned, the the, the Chinese uh, money, but the Chinese loan that is 1.5 billion dollars, uh, if I'm not mistaken, yes. and it should be. It should it should be covered by Hungarian taxpayers, wow. which is definitely not very attractive. And oh, no, we no. see that around two thirds of Hungarians don't support this this university. And there were demonstrations, uh, and Fidesz finally took this uh, topic of the uh, of the agenda. However, 
uh, we don't know what's going to happen if for some reason they they win next year and maybe this this will come back to the table but the other other interesting story another interesting um Chinese cooperation, let's put it this way, is the um, Belgrade-Budapest railway line, which is, I would say, a, a gateway for China to, mm. to enter the European Union. Again, huge amount of money and, uh, and no transparency at all. So, um, and, and also during the pandemic, we have seen how the Hungarian government uh, has uh received a lot of support from china to pr- pr- propagate their um, machines you know the, the vaccines the ventilating machinery and all that uh and to what extent um, the hungarian government has been involved in the business with uh, with china uh again costing billions <laughs> to the hungarian taxpayers that's a, I think an interesting topic because um, I mean as a free trader generally I would say great you know more infrastructure more cooperation more trade uh, but of course these uh, joint uh, projects with China and Russia I mean in, in my view are not um, are, so not really free trade or, uh, or free enterprise uh, ventures I mean typically the Kremlin is behind it or with some or the Chinese management. government is behind it, or the so CCP is uh, behind it, and, exactly. And so there is no, there is no free trade. Uh, I mean, real free trade between these countries, and also this, this is the same thing we see that uh, there is also always an intermediary between the seller and the buyer. Usually, an oligarch, usually a friend of the government, increasing the price to you know to skyrocket uh, to i don't know billions so so there is no free trade it, it has nothing to do with it although although the the, the Orban government is trying to depict itself uh, especially internationally that it's it's a it's a you know pro capitalist pro free trade uh, government no way I, I find the element that you say that there's a big loan i find that actually more interesting than just the mere fact of a Chinese university, yeah, some Chinese propaganda university, that's one thing. But then the fact that Hungarian taxpayers, like you say, would be dependent on uh, on the CCP, on China, uh, mm-hmm. what we've seen in, in Montenegro, what we've seen in places in Africa where China gives a loan and then tries to use this uh, for political leverage. I mean... Is oh that yeah, definitely. Too much yeah. of a worry definitely. in Hungary, or is that actually? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I actually wanted to mention the the example of the Montenegro story mm-hmm. because we, we, we see uh, the same fear among uh, the population that uh, obviously we don't want to be indebted to the Chinese government, and and interestingly, the the amount of money uh, that we talked about, the one 1.5, 1.8 billion US dollars, is more than the Orban government spent on it entire higher education system uh, last year that's quite something so so then let's let's discuss the topic i mean what what can the european union do about it the european union meaning the eu institutions in brussels but also other governments in europe that are of course typically wary to diplomatically intervene into uh, domestic affairs of of member states um, I mean, rightly so, but then um, what I've always 
maintained on, on also in Brussels report is that the least the EU can do about it is, is to no longer send checks to, to Orban and, and people around him, apparently his, uh, his son-in-law, according to one Hungarian. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so what's your view on that? Well, uh, I partly agree with you. Um, I would say that in the past decade, the European Union has been uh, very generous with Orban as far as money is concerned. So uh, the Orban government is, is, is very grateful to the taxpayers of Germany, the Netherlands, Denmark, and all the other EU countries because it has made them enormously rich. Uh, but uh, what you're saying is, you know, basically ending all the uh, money flow into Hungary, I would say that, no, the procedures should be changed and the money should go directly to, for example, cities, uh, municipalities, villages, mm. without the intervention of the Hungarian government. Mm. I think, see, the, the, the biggest problem that we are facing as far as the EU funds are concerned is that the whole distribution system of this, this money depends on the government or government agencies. Once they are taken out of uh, the big picture, uh, I think Hungary can really benefit from EU funds. Without, with, uh, without that happening, it, 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 it will always benefit the, the ruling party, whoever uh, it is or whatever mm. it is. Yeah, that's, of course, um, a big condition if it would... Um, if we'd be able to do that, I would definitely think that's uh, an improvement. Uh, I'm always in favor of decentralization, but yeah, of course, um, the, the thing is that these, uh, you know, all this, all this cash comes from the EU budget, and uh, at the end of the day, every member state has a veto over that. Uh, so, so I think it's um, it's hard to pull off. Um, and personally, I'm also skeptical of all these uh, mechanisms to try to. Uh, punish Hungary, basically, uh, the Article 7 procedure and whatnot, uh, because at the end of the day, what you see is that member states are, are very wary to to condemn each other as corrupt or undermining the rule of law or, or whatnot. I mean, rightly so, because it's easy to come up with the accusation of double standards. If you go after Hungary, why not Poland uh, or why yeah. not um, Spain? I mean, there's some issues in Spain, uh, some, some uh, officials that... Uh, now our, our um, Catalan officials, people that were basically working in the bureaucracy that are now liable for, for huge amount of money for, for allegedly having cooperated with that mock referendum. Uh, so, so there's some very serious problems in, in I mean, my own country, Belgium. You can also come up with problems in the justice system. Uh, so, so it's easy to employ the double standards. So, so personally, I'm, I'm more in favor of just basically cutting, cutting all the money. But, uh, but I, I see your argument that obviously, um, uh, yeah, it, it, in theory, these are great sums of money that could, could do a lot of good. But um, I think it's, it's hard to get it right through the, uh, the, the EU system and the, the government system. Yeah, definitely. I I have to agree with you on that point. Yes, but but you have to make a precedent out of uh, the, the 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 misuse of uh, public funds as well. There have been no precedents made out of the mishandling of the EU funds. At least it's in the media now, and they're they're deciding this rule of law mechanism that the Commission is wary to use and everything. But still, 
you know, sunlight is the best disinfectant. So I think it's very important to at least communicate how all that scarce taxpayers' money is helping to prop up uh, cronyism, not just in Hungary, but also in other countries. Um, but uh, and to, to, to at least uh, raise the alarm that there is, we have a problem here. Yeah, definitely. Now, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, let's let's maybe go to the last uh, the last topic I wanted to discuss with you. Um, also, because you're an economist and and uh, the, the the honorary chairman of the Free Market Foundation, um, which, which doesn't mean that I'm an economist. Actually. <laughs> oh, sorry. I thought. Well, I, <laughs> um, for for me, everybody who's in favor of free markets uh, can be described as uh, somebody who supports economic fan, thinking. A, a, fa a fan of yeah, the fan a fan of classical liberal economics and and all that. It's not as hard to be an economist as, as long as you uh, you think that uh, if you agree with the fact that um, you know everything everything has a cost and there's no such thing as a free lunch. I would say if you agree exactly. with that, you're an economist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, anyway, so so um, Hungary, as I understand it, after uh, the fall of communism, is one of the let's say the great examples. I mean, not everything was right, but uh, a lot of things happened in a, in a relatively good way in the 90s. And then somehow it seems to have stopped. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but it looks like Hungary entered the middle income trap. Um, and now we have all these, this cronyism as well in the last 10, 15 years. Um, basically, um, maybe this is connected with brain drain. I'm not sure. Uh, but then on the other hand, we see that Orban and Hungary has now the lowest corporate tax rate in the EU, 9%. Um, so, so what's your view on that? Is uh, did he do some good, Orban, in terms of economic reform, or or or? Well, uh, you, or you mentioned really? you. I mean, I'm 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 in favor of the low corporate tax. I have to tell you that. Mm -hmm. But and I'm I'm in favor of low taxes definitely. But when we talk about the low corporate tax or the low uh, income tax, we have to mention that we have the highest uh, value added tax in the whole European Union with twenty seven percent. Okay. Oh wow! I think that that massive. tells you that tells that tells you a lot. Yes, that is that is massive. Also, I, I I'm in favor of uh, flat tax, which we have in Hungary, which the Orban government introduced, and many politicians in opposition would not favor. However, this flat tax is not a real flat tax because there are other taxes and other uh, amounts of money that you have to pay at the end of the day. So. This flat tax is not the real flat tax. Another thing related to the Hungarian economy of the past decade is the fact that, um, yeah, you can you can show yourself as a as a successful uh, successful uh, economy once you do it on other uh, other taxpayers' expense. That is on other European Union taxpayers' expense. I mean, as I mentioned uh, some ten minutes ago, Hungary has received. A huge amount of money from the European Union. Uh, a lot of people say that, yeah, anybody can be successful from that amount of money and and, and can can build uh, a, a well-functioning economy. However, this economy is not well-functioning. What we see now is, as you mentioned, the brain drain. We have mm -hmm. uh, a lot of sectors in the country where we see a huge labor shortage: M medical workers, doctors, nurses. Uh, we, we see hospitals uh, being partially closed down because doctors are leaving the country or leaving the, 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 
the state um, medical system. So, uh, and also we see not only not, not only the medical sector, but the IT sector. We see also blue-collared workers leaving for Austria and Germany and, and the United Kingdom. Uh, in the past decade, we have experienced around 700,000 people uh, leaving the country out of a population of 10 million. So that is massive. And, and, and when, when we come to labor shortage and when we come to uh, face the fact that uh, in, in, in Hungary we don't, we don't have basic services now or almost, uh, we have to counter uh, an argument made by the government whether, whether uh, refugees or people from other countries are needed to, to, to fill the vacuum of those missing. That's, that's going to be an interesting challenge for the present government because they have created uh, this, this huge xenophobia in, in the country. And now we see that everybody would be happy to see uh, somebody working on their house, somebody treating their children in a hospital or being teachers in a school because, because we, just, we just don't have them. Interesting. So uh, exactly brain drain as a great impediment and uh, yeah, of uh, economic um, development. Um, is there is there anything uh, else you you um, to conclude, Sultan, that you would say, um, especially let's say to an uh, uh, European Union policy uh, uh, listening public, um, if if you would have to give like one priority um, to let's say EU policymakers when dealing with Hungary, what what would it be? Well, what what would be the priority? Uh, I mean, don't let yourself fooled by Orban. Mm. I mean, he has, he has fooled the European Union so many times. Uh, he, has, he has, for example, right now, the LGBTQ law. Mm. Everybody's talking about that. He knows that, he knows that uh, it's not going to stand the Europe, in the European courts. He knows that in a year or two, he has to withdraw, or Hungary has to withdraw or repeal this law. Still, this is the, at the top of the agenda, which makes him strong here in Hungary because he's now again again fighting with Brussels, mm -hmm. and and he will stand back when when it comes to the decision in, in a year or two, but 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 this is this this is just a repetition again things that he's doing like the CEU story. I mean, uh, uh, he, you know, he he never withdrew the, the or repealed the law. However, when it came to the decision of the court, the CEU had already left. He Which had uh, story was that? Sorry, the CEU, the Central European University. Oh, of course, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 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 yeah, he's he's playing a game. He's, and it's not it's not uh, the politics that people uh, in the European Union are are used to, unfortunately. And he's using most of the topics, not. I mean that he's 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 using internationally not because of the international audience because he wants to sell himself in Hungary domestically, so he's he wants to score points here in Hungary. He doesn't care about the international connotation and and, and all the circumstances. Well, that's interesting that you say that because indeed I was uh, under the impression that they had actually left Hungary. So so uh, can serve as proof how uh, how effective this is. Well, good. Um, so 
Thank you very much, Zoltan Kesh, uh, for this, uh, I think, very informative um, conversation. Um, well, I mean, thank you, Peter, for having me. I wish you all the best uh, with the fight for liberty in, uh, in Hungary, and I'm sure um, that uh, great successes are uh, still uh, awaiting you. Uh, well, well, thank you, and I, th and I hope that the successes will, uh, will, will come to the opposition next year for the election. I'm, I'm really hoping that there is a change coming soon. Good stuff. Let's hope that. All right. Thank you, Peter. Thank you. Thank you very much. The Brussels Report Podcast.